Hi, I'm Cleo, and this is the podcast in which I use my PhD in English to interpret the songs of Taylor Swift. In the summer of 2021, it's very easy to walk Cornelia Street. Cornelia Street is what the New York City government paradoxically refers to as an open street, or a street under temporary full closure, which means the street is closed to traffic for the duration of the pandemic. It's now a pedestrian area, the stage for some of New York's pandemic-inspired street dining. I recorded this audio as I turned onto Cornelia Street from Bleecker Street on a warm afternoon in early July of this year. You can hear the music playing from the empty outdoor area of Tacambi, a Mexican restaurant that, according to its website, serves elevated tacos. It stands opposite a CBD shop that describes itself as farm-to-table, but way more relaxing. Although I passed a few people, the street felt empty compared to the last time I walked down this street in the summer of 2019. When I walked down Cornelia Street that summer, I had to weave my way between groups of people who were standing on the street and talking about Taylor Swift, as well as taking pictures of themselves in front of the drawbridge-like gates of Taylor's erstwhile apartment. As for whether Taylor Swift herself has walked Cornelia Street again since then, I don't know. The absence of traffic on Cornelia Street, much as it feels like an embodiment of the pandemic and its effect on New York, is of course an exception to New York City's rule. As of June 2021, New York City was officially found to have the worst traffic in the country in a survey carried out by Texas A&M, as reported by CBS Local News, which found that, quote, a New York Newark driver spent an average 56 hours stuck in traffic last year. As of 2018, New York City was the third most congested city in the world. In 2019, the year of Cornelia Street's release, the city government passed a plan to tax drivers entering Lower Manhattan, where Cornelia Street is located, but this plan has still not been implemented and may never be. A live traffic map on one representative weekday afternoon in July shows traffic as medium or slow on most of the streets surrounding Cornelia Street. In short, there's probably no need to, as Taylor Swift claims to do in Death by a Thousand Cuts, take the long way home, as the traffic itself is bound to detain you. Taylor seems ambivalent towards traffic, unsure whether to trust it. I ask the traffic lights if it'll be alright. They say, I don't know. I know what she means. I was once stuck in New Haven for like 15 minutes at a red light that would not turn. That's only happened to me in New Haven, but it has happened more than once. Anyway, I was curious what would happen in New York under similar circumstances, and it turns out that you're supposed to call 311 to report a problem with traffic or a pedestrian signal. And according to the city's Department of Transportation, contractors are required to arrive at the scene of the most serious problems, e.g. all lights out or a knocked down pole, within two hours of notification. In the meantime, chaos will reign. The Department of Transportation's website informs me that lights typically last between 45 and 120 seconds, but that the timing for each signal is determined based on traffic volume and traffic patterns in each particular area. As to why traffic lights are there at all, quote, a traffic signal controls the right of way for vehicles arriving at an intersection, which can reduce traffic delay and accident-producing conflicts. It also makes an intersection safe by determining whether vehicles or pedestrians should proceed. If you obey the traffic lights, in other words, 
it may not be alright exactly, but you can trust that the system is calculating how to keep you safe. Of course, in practice, there is always someone sneaking by you trying to run the red. As we know, Lover presents itself in many ways as an answer to red, in which Taylor describes driving that is risky at, at best. You almost ran the red because you were looking over at me. And of course, loving him is like driving a new Maserati down a dead-end street, faster than the wind, passionate as sin, ending so suddenly. In fact, red itself seems in its title to contain the warning of a red traffic light. Loving him was red. Lover revises this to, I used to think love was burning red, but it's golden. But is that that much better? As driversed.com points out, yellow means you should stop, if you can do so safely. But of course traffic lights only tell you what to do, they don't tell you how to feel about it. Prognostication is beyond their ambit. They can't tell you for certain that it will be alright, they can only create conditions that are less likely to lead to tragedy. Or, as the Department of Transportation website puts it, conflict. But anyway, the song Cornelia Street actually starts out in the backseat of the car, with Taylor and her lover being driven home by someone else, someone following the traffic lights and laws, letting the lights guide them home, which in this case is temporarily Cornelia Street because Taylor is renting a place there. As John Strasbaugh points out in his History of Greenwich Village, quote, Cornelia Street is tucked behind an always busy and crowded stretch of 6th Avenue, it's only a block long, running at an angle from West 4th to Bleecker Street. Because it doesn't really go anywhere, it gets little traffic to this day. Still, this out-of-the-way block saw a surprising amount of activity. This activity included the residents on that block of the poet W.H. Auden, who lived at number 7 Cornelia Street in an apartment that Tennessee Williams described as fantastically sordid, where he completed his long poem The Age of Anxiety. There is something in this song, and in Lover overall as an album, that feels a little Auden-like, reminiscent of poems of Auden's, such as Leap Before You Look, a reflection on a forbidden love affair, one that seems destined to end badly. It's 16 lines, so I actually want to read the whole thing. Leap before you look. The sense of danger must not disappear. The way is certainly both short and steep, however gradual it looks from here. Look if you like, but you will have to leap. Tough-minded men get mushy in their sleep and break the bylaws any fool can keep. It is not the convention but the fear that has a tendency to disappear. The worried efforts of the busy heap, the dirt, the imprecision, and the beer produce a few smart wisecracks every year. Laugh if you can, but you will have to leap. The clothes that are considered right to wear will not be either sensible or cheap, so long as we consent to live like sheep and never mention those who disappear. Much can be said for social savoir-faire, but to rejoice when no one else is there is even harder than it is to weep. No one is watching, but you have to leap. A solitude ten thousand fathoms deep sustains the bed on which we lie, my dear. Although I love you, you will have to leap. Our dream of safety has to disappear. John Strasbaugh describes the village as a place where LGBTQ lives could flourish despite the illegality of homosexual activity for much of New York's history. Auden's poem contains an acute awareness of his own criminal queerness. In this description of a relationship bound up by danger and the fear of being found out, as well as defiance of societal convention. And as you'll know, if only from listening to this podcast, that is something Taylor's fans read into this song and this entire album. Fans find in Cornelia Street, along with a few other songs on Lover, intimations of a relationship Taylor does not want the world to know about, a dream of safety that Taylor is always about to wake from. And indeed, Cornelia Street feels haunted by a feeling of impending catastrophe. I don't want to lose you, hope it never ends, I'd never walk Cornelia Street again. 
Cornelia Street, this tiny block cut off from the main thoroughfares that nonetheless, or maybe therefore, allows for intense literary activity, seems to function as a metaphor for this relationship, a relationship that traffic might ruin. What is traffic? And why is Lover as an album so obsessed with it? Well, for one thing, obviously, because it's about New York, and if there's one thing to keep in mind about driving in New York, it's never to do it under any circumstances. According to the OED, traffic has many definitions. Some of the ones that feel most relevant include the commercial transportation of goods or commodities on a large scale from one nation or community to the other for the purpose of buying and selling, the passage of vehicles, vessels, etc. to and fro along a route, the vehicles moving to and fro along a route considered collectively, and the messages, signals, data, etc. passing over a telecommunications link or across a computer or information network. Traffic has to do with passage, with exchange, with flow, with communication, a being en masse that is greater than individual being. And the emphasis on traffic might be unique to Lover as an album, but Taylor has always been interested in vehicles. I had to cut this out of the episode, but last time Meredith came in to talk about folklore, she made some really great points about Taylor's relationship to trucks. In her first album, she talks about like pickup trucks and stuff. Like, but I mean, that's when she was still defining herself as a country singer. And country singers, they talk about trucks. They they just talk about trucks. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what it's also making me think of too? Are uh, it's that pair of songs on Evermore. There's "Tis the Damn Season" and Dorothea, and "Tis the Damn Season." Though young woman who has come back from LA she's drawn to her high school boyfriend and he still has that truck you know there's the line about uh time flies messy as the mud on your truck tires and it's negotiating the narrator's desire to get away from this small town at the same time being drawn to it and that's represented in part by muddy trucks the truck becomes a mise en abime, a miniaturization of the genre of country music, and in the image of the left-behind mud-bound truck in Evermore, Taylor considers her own progress away from the genre of country music, as well as from the countryside itself. In Reputation, she talks about Range Rovers, Jaguars, and getaway cars, but in Lover, she talks about traffic, the movement of vehicles and people and money and information en masse. And all of this movement, the business and busyness of the city, screams the beloved's name. Is traffic an image of a relationship, a give and take, an exchange always in constant motion, always open to blockage or conflict? Or is it an image of Taylor's own uncertain mind as it ranges over the city of New York, looking for security, or at least a place to park? The obsession with traffic seems to stem in part from a fear of collision, of unwanted encounters that nonetheless, occasionally, turn out okay. I hate accidents, except when we went from friends to this. Cornelia Street makes much of renting, the fact that the residence on Cornelia Street is an apartment, a home, therefore, with a limited term. Death by a thousand cuts, too, makes much of the past as a room you can't get back into, an apartment that you've moved out of. Look through the windows of this love, even though we boarded them up, chandeliers still flickering here. Taylor is reduced to trying to re-enter places that used to have 
of particular significance. For example, the haunted club in which she searches for signs, or for example, imagining the impossibility of her return to Cornelia Street. Death by a Thousand Cuts seems a continuation of Cornelia Street in some ways. It seems to describe the feared outcome. What once was ours is no one's now. I see you everywhere. The only thing we share is this small town. And these lines hold a kind of irony. Whereas metaphorically, what once the two people shared was a relationship, a shared illusion, a frame of reference, this does lie empty, metaphorically boarded up. But if understood as an apartment, for example, the apartment on Cornelia Street, then it's merely gone back on the market, opened itself up to strangers. Because the truth about Cornelia Street, the place Taylor once rented, any apartment that any of us rents, is that next month, next year, someone else will live there. Whether by small town in this case, Taylor means New York or another of the places she's lived, I don't know. I don't know even whether this is meant to signify any small town in particular, except that the small town is always what Taylor leaves behind. This is a big world that was a small town, there in my rearview mirror disappearing now. The small town is what traffic leads away from. Except that in this song, Taylor is still stuck in the small town, still haunting the locales that have lost their meaning, still asking the traffic lights whether it will be okay. New York traffic here and in Lover overall seems to stand for something greater, some larger force or ordering principle that rules human life, something that might hold answers to a question that feels only half formulated. This is what connects this album to New Historicism, because New Historicism, as exemplified particularly in the works of Stephen Greenplatt, is about power. Metaphors for power and powerful metaphors. Greenblatt, writing about the Elizabethan poet Edmund Spencer, famously claims that, quote, even when he most bitterly criticizes its abuses or records its brutalities, Spencer loves power and attempts to link his own art ever more closely with its symbolic and literal embodiment. I suggest that traffic lights function in this way in Lover, as embodiments of power. They make reference not only to the New York City traffic they control and its massive quantities of vehicles and people, but the electrical grid that powers them, the programs that control the frequency of the lights, the city government that maintains them. And it's also by means of, despite, with reference to, lights, that Taylor negotiates her relationships in this album, as if she's plugging into some kind of electrical system that allows her to create connections to other people. Lover proclaims we can leave the Christmas lights up till January, while the cruel summer relationship requires that the headlights of the car be turned off. Traffic lights guide her in Cornelia Street and fail to provide any reassurance in Death by a Thousand Cuts. And Daylight, of course, presents the entire album as a passage through the cruel lights of night into daylight, into the powerful light of the sun. My love was as cruel as the cities I lived in. Everyone looked worse in the light, and I've been sleeping so long in a 20-year dark night, and now I see daylight. I only see daylight. New historicism is about currents of power, but it's also about understanding the historical contexts within which works were produced. This album comes out in the summer of 2019, which I think is part of the reason I've been thinking about it so much in recent weeks. I moved to New York that summer, in fact, on the very day that Lover came out, and inevitably I'm comparing the summers of 2021 and 2019. 
walking down Cornelia Street offered me a way of thinking about a few of those changes, namely the change in traffic patterns with the rise of street dining and the fluctuations of the rental market in response to people leaving the city during the pandemic, fluctuations that Lover as an album can't even imagine. Inevitably, as time goes on, the contemporary context changes how we read and understand the literature and art of the past. Cornelia Street is about the fear of trauma the fear of being reminded of the past so acutely that it gets in the way of living one's life in the present. When looked back on now, it seems laughably ignorant of a greater trauma waiting around the corner, a trauma large enough to actually alter the traffic patterns to close or open the streets, to make Cornelia Street impassable to traffic. In a way, it's casualness, the way Taylor Swift casually refers to renting a place on Cornelia Street in the car, feels like a relic of a past age. Or so I thought as I skulked around Cornelia Street, hoping the pandemic had lowered rents enough for me to move into the area last month before I realized it hadn't. And it also brought to mind the many people who would not walk Cornelia Street again, the people lost to the pandemic, and I guess also the people who just left New York for good. Taylor writes about a lot of specific locations in this album, such as, for example, 16th Avenue in I Think He Knows. Even London Boy, the one song definitely not about New York except by contrast, I suppose, offhandedly refers to particular parts of London, Camden Market, Brixton, Shoreditch, the West End, the Heath. To be fair, I think you could say it refers to most parts of London. You could map this album pretty precisely, and perhaps someday I will. That would be a great use of ArcGIS, end of my time. <laughs> We'll see. W.H. Auden, too, wrote about particular parts of New York in his sort of emotional geography of the city. For example, his poem September 1st, 1939, which begins with the lines, I sit in one of the dives on 52nd Street, uncertain and afraid, was widely reprinted after 9-11, and its talk of how the clever hopes expire of a low dishonest decade, and of how the unmentionable odor of death offends the September night, although meant in reference to the beginning of World War II, spoke of course to another frightening September in New York City. Anyway, I was thinking all of this as I walked down Cornelia Street again this July, and then I decided to move to London. So, this is the end of season one of the podcast. I do have a lot of exciting episodes lined up for season two already, and in the meantime I'll get started creating a website, so just hit follow and you'll be notified of that and of the beginning of season two. I don't have an exact date yet, so we'll have to just see what happens. So thank you if you listen to any of the episodes. Um, I really appreciate it. Thanks to those of you who wrote in. I wasn't always able to feature your comments in the podcast, but I always really appreciated hearing from you. And it would be really nice if you like the podcast, if you could rate and review it just because that helps with visibility and, and keep the, the podcast growing and reaching its audience. So thanks very much for listening to Studies in Taylor Swift. You're listening to Happy Strumming by Audionautics. <laughs>